do, 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 do. All right, here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 243. And what is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12. And on the show, we discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So on the show, we are going to discuss a, an excerpt from a author named Kelly McGill. Gonigal? Actually, no. I think we're going to talk about fear, and this is how we're going to correlate it, right? We are going to talk about is fear. It, right. the, what we had discussed was that you and I have a practice. I think it's not just you and I. I think the majority of people have a practice of being self-critical yep. and then believing that that is what influences their change of behavior. Yeah. And it's a habitual pattern that we probably learned when we were little. And and as we grow up, we tell stories around it, meaning mm-hmm. that we continue to be self-critical and we say to people, well, that's the only way that I'll ever make change. Right. And really, it's not true. So the what you're talking about is kind of a confirmation of that untruth. That's right. Kelly McGonigal's quote. Um, we're going to take some listeners' questions and then um, a quick announcement. What? Oh, that's not coming from me. We don't want that. Um, do you know that the U.S. Treasury Department made an announcement, sweetie? I did. $10 bill, right? The $10 bill. So Alexander Hamilton is going to appear somewhere on the bill at some point. But we, to celebrate the... T- Wait, say that again. He's going to Alexander appear- Hamilton is the current person on the tent. Right. So he's not getting eliminated off of the bill, but he's going to take a back seat on the bill. Like either okay. they're going to put him on the back or they're going to have a circulation of him... So it's not like he's going away completely. Okay. They're, they're, they're just going to do a special Yeah, they're adding though. to it. And it's about, uh, it's in celebration of, I'm trying to find it here, um, the 100th anniversary of the Constitutional Amendment giving women the right to vote. So this is going to happen in 2020. It's not going to happen until 2020? 2020, sweetie. We got five quick years. <laughs> Why? Um, actually, I read about it. Okay, it please. is because... Um, there's a lot that goes into the design of the bill. Okay. You have to get a lot of the bills out of circulation before. Oh. It's not like they can do it. Plus, um, the last time they do a new bill, like every 10 years or something like okay. that. And the last one they did was the 20. So the $10 bill is next. So apparently there's just a whole bunch of, and a counterfeiting system okay. that they're going to put in there to, you know, deter counterfeiting. So it's, it would have been this way. You have a lot of beeps and bumps. I know I here. do. Um, so they're doing, it's five years, not because it's going to take that long for everyone to get on board, but because that's just the natural progress of money. Yeah. And I think it's to also celebrate the hundred year anniversary too, to kind of make they're it coincide. a bigger yeah. deal. So, um, and I, any suggestions on who that woman ought well, to be? I think there was kind of a vote. Yeah. That um, was a, not a treasury vote. That's some community. Popular yeah, community vote. Yeah. And I think Harriet Tubman won. She did. Yes. So I'm looking at this. We've got Rosa Parks here. we got Harriet Tubman. we got Eleanor Roosevelt. we got uh, Sally Ride. Do you know who Sally Ride is? I do. Lady? I do. Who's Sally Ride? Astronaut. That's right. She would be an excellent choice. Uh, we got Oprah. 
Sweetie, would you vote for Oprah? You know, I think Harriet Tubman is the way to go. I think so, too. I, when I looked at all those women, they're all completely worthy of that spot, meaning they've done amazing things. But there's something about the historical significance with Harriet Tubman. Uh, Betty White, sweetie. No. Is she really on that list? I don't know. I'm on this USA Today blog. Oh. They have a picture of Betty White on there. <laughs> it looks pretty funny. I mean, love Betty White, but I... Oh, and then they, and they're kind of joking. They have Ronda Rousey, who's that really bad uh, ultimate fighter lady who's oh, never God. lost. Like she beats Is she every- the one that's in the Entourage movie? Yeah. Oh. And she like beats everybody in like 20 seconds. Mm. It's crazy. She's a machine. That's, that is crazy. She does the arm bars and she gets people to tap out right away. I have no idea what that the means. The arm bar is when you have your arm stretched so far that it's going to literally rip out of your body. So they have a choice, either get their arm ripped out of their body or they tap out so it doesn't. How is that legal? It's ultimate fighting, man, or mixed martial arts. I don't know what it's called. I don't watch it because it's kind of disturbing, but a lot of my friends are big into it. And it's funny. The women are with this lady. It's she's a huge draw. Because she's so awesome. Because she's so awesome and everybody wants to see if she's going to lose. She's the Danica Patrick. What about about Betty White? Yeah. Yeah. Betty White. She rules. So um, real briefly, our first partner is uh, Dr. John Kelly, comprehensive dentistry. Do you know he just called you? He just called me. (laughs) Your phone rang and it was Dr. Kelly. Maybe it's John calling to check in on me. Um, So uh, number is uh, 773-631-6844-chicagodentistonline.com. He specializes in helping kids in their adolescence to uh, focus on facial development and airway uh, as well as straightening their teeth. So check them out. All right. So let's start talking about Kelly. Let's start talking about us. Kelly is the quote that backs up what we're saying. And then quick Kickstarter, should we do that now or later? Um, we're buzzing everywhere. We are. What's going on? I even thought I put my phone on airplane mode, but yeah, apparently we're I just didn't. buzzing. Um, God, I'm sweating. Me too. Yeah, we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Not only is it uncomfortable down here, but I'm having hot coffee and my phone is ringing, and it's just just kind of chaotic. Roll with the baby. Should we take a breath? Um, you know what we're gonna do, actually. <sighs> what? Um, What's the name of our podcast, sweetie? Zen Parenting Radio. So there's all these different definitions of Zen. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have like I? I had to like look it up because I kind of it's a feeling, but I want to be able to put it into words. Okay, just for my own. Sure. Do you have any definition of Zen? Yeah, I mean, my definition of Zen is self awareness and living in self awareness, mm. being aware of the connectedness and the. So when I say self awareness, not just about me, mm-hmm. but about the whole. Right. Um, that is, and again, people use Zen as an adjective. They use it as a noun. They use it. You know, there's obviously people who will say that they have the the market on what Zen really is. Right. But I think when it comes to words, that that's what that word means to me. Right. And that's what we mean when we say Zen parenting. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, I just listened to this really good podcast from Rich Roll and he had a Zen Buddhist on there. Nice. And his definition just simply means the meditative mind. Okay. What do you think? Sure. Another one I just heard is Zen is doing one thing at a time. Well, and if you take both of those things yeah. and then incorporate what self-awareness is, right. being conscious of you, mm-hmm. not not just what you like, but how you move through the world. Right. So isn't that a meditative? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's language. It's it's uh, semantics. I just feel like I need to be ready when somebody walks up on the street and says, oh, what's your podcast? Zen Parenting Radio. Well, what does Zen mean? 
I feel like I need to have an answer. But you need to have an answer for you and not take someone else's definition. But, but what I do is I kind of take all these definitions and let them kind of sit there and decide which one works best for Correct. Me. Well, and that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's... And you know what? It can also change, mm-hmm. meaning not that you come up with a brand new definition, but that one day my practice of being a Zen parent is having a meditative mind. Right. Another day, my practice of being a Zen parent is recognizing the connectedness of mm-hmm. everything. What you, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a, uh, it's fluid. Well, and I like balance would be like balance. The word balance should be in my word for, which should be in my definition of Zen. I don't yeah. know why. I just ordered a book uh, called On Balance and it's uh, Adam... Adam Scott. Adam, I can't. Adam Horowitz? Adam no. Scott's a golfer. Adam no. Horowitz is a beastie boy. No, it's neither of those Adams. Adam West, Batman? He's an essayist, a New York Times. Maybe you can look it up for me. It's called On Balance. Just put in On Balance Adam because I know his first name is Adam. Okay. He's an essayist. Is it Adam Carolla? No. and he Adam Phillips? Maybe. Is that what it says? Yeah. Okay. So he writes about how balance doesn't really exist Uh-oh. and how we have to quit using that word. Oh. Um, now, I'm not saying I agree with him because I'm not through the book yet, but I thought I thought it'd be an interesting topic for you and I to talk about eventually. I think so, too. Because I think he's cha- he. it's kind of like he views it that balance becomes this thing that we want to achieve and it's unachievable. Every day, this is off of Google Books, every day we are told that balance is a good thing. We are supposed to make a balance, make balanced judgments, balance our budget, and preserve a balance of power in our government. Disturbed people are described as unbalanced. In this insightful, charming book, the philosopher and psychoanalyst Adam Phillips looks afresh at a balance and its shadow, excess. So the shadow of balance is excess Mm -hmm. and asks if achieving the former is such an admirable goal. From this perspective, Phillips examines the explosive topics of money, sex, parenthood, faith, and education. Wow, that does sound interesting. Doesn't it? Yeah. You know where I found it? Yeah, where? Um, My aunt, Peg, recommended something to you and I called Brain Pickings Weekly. Okay. And it's uh, an email Mm -hmm. that you get, uh, and it kind of... What's the word? It it takes the best of what's out there that yeah. week. Yeah. Um, it usually focused on brain. Is it like a newsletter? Is it like a Facebook page or both? It's. I think I don't know if there's a Facebook page. I just get the email. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess that's called a newsletter. But Brain Pickings Weekly. And she, I think it's a she who puts it together. She does it. It's free. But she does ask for donations because she spends a significant amount of time. Brainpickings.org. That's it. Brainpickings.org. Mary Popova? Yes. There she is. So I'd like to, to give out a, sh- a shout out to Mary because um there's a few things that I've found from brain pickings that I thought were really interesting. And nice. uh, you know what I found on brain pickings? Huh. The Choose and Must book. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, brainpickings.org. So let's talk about you and Self-criticism. I. Self-criticism. Okay. So you and I were having a talk last week about how we have kind of a – it's kind of a shadow habit because I don't know how often we talk about it with each other. But when we think something's not going right, we become um, – like say that I'm just deciding I'm just not eating well and I become really self-critical. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, God, I just can't get it together. And then all of a sudden I come up with like some big plan, yeah. not not like a diet. I'm, yeah. I don't do diets. But I'll be like, this is what I have to do to get it together because – if I don't and, – and and it's really – the whole thinking is based in fear. Right. Like if I don't create a plan, I am never going to get this together. Right. 
And you do that mm -hmm. with what was your example? Apartment buildings. The apartment buildings. Money, apartment buildings. And I criticize myself quite often by how I handle certain things. And then we somehow in our brain process through that and make it, we start to pat ourselves on the back for being self-critical. Like, you know, like, well, we just really, when we're having a hard time, we just hunker down and we figure it out, which I think is kind of based in what we're taught about what goal setting is. Mm -hmm. But there's a different, there's this feeling element to it where goal setting is one thing, but being fear-based and critical of yourself has a totally different energy. So self-critical, uh, self-criticism many times, including me, I'd be like, if I did not criticize myself, it would not push me in the direction of making a change. Correct. Right. And, and now some people will say, well, come on, you know, that's how we, we kind of realize our lapses evolve, and that's how we evolve. And while there is a, a truth to that, like it's noticing your weaknesses or noticing your challenges, of course, mm -hmm. but then how do we resolve it? Mm -hmm. Do we resolve it through self-criticism mm -hmm. and kind of a fear-based way of thinking? Yeah. Or do we just recognize it and make some changes yeah. without – it's kind of like the way I relate to it because I know this gets really mucky and messy. It's similar to worry pretends to be necessary. You can pay your bills every month without worrying about paying your bills. You can sit and write a check without freaking out about money and still write the check. Or you can – not have enough money in your account and not write the check and you the worry didn't get you to do either one of those two things Correct. so I, I think i'm 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 agreeing with you um but like we think that the worry will get us to a certain result but it really doesn't we think self-criticism will propel us to a greater way of being yeah and self-criticism is almost like an anchor mm -hmm. that will hold us down from being who we can be. Instead of a... Um, like a rocket. Yeah. We think that this self-criticism will propel, propel us. us. But it actually is like, it may not sink us to the bottom, mm -hmm. but it kind of keeps us stagnant. Yeah. So like, you know, again, visually, go visually with me here, people. You are being self-critical and you're like, well, you know, I really need to get my act together. And I really need to wake up and meditate every day. And I just need to do that. And I can't believe I don't do that. And why do I do, you know, why can't I be like other people? And why can't I do this? You are actually draining your mm -hmm. energy of being able to do it versus, yeah. now this is the simplistic, talk about being Zen and mm -hmm. talk about like going to a really simplistic mind. Why don't you just wake up and meditate yeah. and get rid of all the self-talk around it? Yeah. Why don't you just, and if you miss a day, why don't you say, okay, tomorrow. I'm kind of doing that right now. I was on such a roll. I think I was like 35 out of 40 days on meditating. And then we went on vacation, got out of our routine, and I haven't been back since. So it's been like almost two weeks. And I feel like maybe one of the reasons I haven't gone back is because I've kind of been pissed at myself. And Interesting. it has hindered me. Yes. Okay, great example. Instead of just doing it, like if, if I could release the self-criticism, like, oh, you were doing so well and now it's it's kind of like working out. Like you work out really well for six months and then all of a sudden you go on vacation and it's so much harder to get back. We did a show about this, about a word, and I can't remember what the word is, where people are so all or nothing that if they – it the example that we gave, and I think we talked about in the show, was where someone will eat a donut and they'll say, screw it. I ate a donut. I might as well eat 12. Yeah. 
and there's a word for it. There's a psychoanalytic word mm. or a, a word that's used when you know working with people to understand that phenomenon. Yeah. Instead of just eating the donut and moving on mm-hmm. and and making it such a big deal and a big story about how you always eat donuts and you don't need to eat twelve, just enjoy the one donut and maybe the next day don't have a donut. I think what hinders us, what the anchor is, what our challenge is, is that we create a story around everything and that it has to be some big deal instead of the simplistic version of tomorrow I will or right now I will. With working out, it's an easier example for me to understand because let's say I don't lift weights anymore or barely, but when I, when I did, I would, you know, when you're in your rhythm, you can lift a lot more weight. You're just stronger. Like yoga. I did yesterday. I did yoga yesterday for the first time in a while and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to get my handstand to where I can just hold it for a Uh long time. Well, I was pretty close about three weeks ago and I've kind of gotten into a rut and I can barely even get up there now. And and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to question your story right there. I've got into a rut. Yes. It's, and and as an outsider, I'm going to give you a different perspective. You and I were gone for a week. We were in DC. Yep. We went to yoga three times before we left. We've only been home for three or four days. That does not a rut make. That's not a rut. Well, and you're you're challenging me on the word choice. Yes. I'm saying my definition of rut is I simply haven't been doing it nearly as much as I have before. Because, because of our Because I've vacation. been unavailable. Right. Right. I call it a rut and you're saying don't be so don't don't be self-critical. Cuz that's what we're trying to talk yeah, about is right. the story, the words you use and the story you tell, mm-hmm. the self-criticism, I'm in a rut right. versus I was on vacation, so now that I'm back I'll be doing it again. Right. It's such think of it's like light heavy, right. light heavy. But here's the thing. The reason I call it a rut or the reason we get down on ourselves when Uh this happens is because we want to pick up where we left off. Right. And it's, for lack of a better term, depressing or demoralizing to have to kind of restart. But that's the – I won't even say but because it's not a but – period to what you said Mm -hmm. and starting a new sentence, that's the vicious cycle of life. We think we're getting somewhere. What do you think will happen when you can do that handstand? Nothing. Because once you can do it, there'll be a day that it won't go so well. And you'll go, I got to get back to that place. There was no place. Um, You know, like there was, and sometimes that's how we understand the ebbs and flows of life of sometimes there are some days like your handstand is my splits. I can do the splits some days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some days it's just... You know. For the record, I can't do the splits. I know. Not even close. I know. And that's that hasn't been a hard thing for me in life yeah. just because of the things I that I practice. Like a runner would have a hard time doing the splits because they have so much muscle yeah. you know, in their legs where that's just... It's been different for me. Some days I just can't do the splits. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with how long I've been going to yoga or how long I've been stretching. There are days it just doesn't work. These are Chinese splits or the American splits? Is that what they're really called anymore? I don't know. I just remember being in gymnastics when I was like eight years old and they talked about, what are the Chinese splits? Chinese splits, as far as what they were called then, is where you are like, your legs are going out to the side. Like a goalie. Right. And the the splits that I'm talking about are front to back. So it's not Chinese splits versus American splits? I don't think that's, no. And why did the the Chinese get the market on that split? (laughs) You know what? I have no idea. We need to figure this out. You should put in Chinese splits and see what they're called now, because I have a feeling that's probably not a politically correct term anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's like how old people call uh, Asian people Orientals. Right. It's just so out of date mm-hmm. um, and it's just not three ways to do a Chinese split they're still called the Chinese really? split okay well then you know then good um, 
<laughs> Congratulations, China. Well, so anyway, splits. You can't do them every day, but it has nothing to do with whether or not you're good or bad or working hard enough. Mm-hmm. There are just times. It's the example of the four agreements. The fourth agreement is always do your best. Yep. Every day, here's the big, you know, talk about peeling an onion of what best means. Every day, best is different. Best is not, my best is when I can do the handstand. Best is when you show up, I'm not even going to define it because it's different for everybody. My best, like on Sunday when you and I both had headaches, Mm -hmm. the best I could do that day was shower (laughs) three times. (laughs) I kept sitting in the shower. I took a walk from the front of our house, one block with Skylar, and that was really hard. But I did it. Thank you. Thank you. That was my best. And then you and I took her to the pool Ugh. and laid in lawn chairs. Man, that sucked. <laughs> it was so hard. But see, that was our best. Yeah. So instead of being self-critical and saying, God, we sucked or we just didn't do well enough, I was actually in admiration of both of us. Do you remember when I turned? we were both laying on the couch and I looked at you and I said, it's so weird that we're doing this and we're, you know, we both want to relax, but we're still parents. Right. And we have to. Yeah, because two of our kids were gone. Two of our kids were gone. Yeah, that, that helps the story a little bit. Two of our kids were at camp. So you think, oh, you know, it's going to be so much easier with one. It's really not because no. she needs more attention because her sisters aren't there. Yeah. So, gosh, I remember feeling that when my kids were little, too, where it just never ended. You know, I was like, I am still a parent at 2 a.m. Yeah. But anyway, so. Giving your best, sweetie. Yeah. Your best is different. And my best today was a complete. And I actually have moments um, when I was working out today. I was at Daily Method today and I was doing something very difficult and I thought to myself, man, with a headache, I could never do this. And and that's not self-criticism. It's acknowledgement and gratitude right. for I'm glad I feel good today. Right. Sweetie, what is this song? <laughs> this is the best song from the Karate Kid. What's it called? It's called You're the Best Around. This and is, we sing this a lot. This is when Danielle's is was going up against those Cobra Kai, <laughs> those nasty Cobra Kai. You're the best around. Why was The Karate Kid such an awesome movie? You know, it wasn't. It was good. You know what part bugs me the most? Get him a body bag? <laughs> no, that doesn't bug me the most. Not get him a body bag. Not take a worm for a walk week. <laughs> Not sensei. Yeah. Sweep the leg. It's when... Daniel and what's her name? Elizabeth Shue go to the place to play. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's when they're at the dance and he's a shower. Yeah. And they're dancing the wrong way. What do you mean? He has her, he has his arms on her shoulders and she has her arms on his waist. And that's And it opposite. looks weird. Yeah. Maybe that was like a shower thing. Maybe it didn't, they couldn't do it because of the costume. I don't know. It, and when I say it looks weird, it just, when I watched that movie as a teenager, I was like, you've got your hands in the wrong place. Um, I just read something that there's a huge flaw in that movie. What? What is the climax of the movie? What does Daniel do to Johnny? He does the, like, the swan thing or the... The crane. The crane. And where does he kick him? In the shoulder? No. The head? In the face. Oh, and you can't do that. Exactly. Ah, that is a huge flaw. Yeah, the referee says you can only hit between the hips and the shoulders. And he kicks him in the face. (laughs) And he wins. And he wins. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what were they thinking? 
He oh wasn't the best around. Um, can I talk about my, our second partner? Yes. Are we going to read this thing from Dr. McGonagall? We haven't gotten to it yet. Yes, we okay. will. Uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly, our other Dr. Kelly. Uh, Chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. Um, Dr. Kelly specializes in families. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, give her a call. All right. Um, do you want me to read it? I mean, there's a lot to read. I don't, do we want to read the whole thing? No, no, gosh. I'm not going to do that. But um, here, I'll give it to you. No, I have it right here. All right. So there is a uh, a researcher, uh, Dr. Kelly McGonigal. I actually saw her at Emerging Women um, the first year when we were in Denver, mm-hmm. and she writes a lot about willpower. Um, so here's here's why Todd and I thought this was important. Research shows that trying to motivate ourselves out of fear, guilt, and shame simply doesn't work. And in fact. Being compassionate with ourselves is much more likely to cause us to act in alignment with our intentions. This is taken from psychologist Dr. Kelly McGonigal. And this is, did you want to read a piece of what uh, her quote is from the book? Okay. You want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, If you think the key to greater willpower is being harder on yourself. No, no, no. The quote, the my students. Oh, yeah, but I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing. Oh, you're going from the... The middle. the middle. Go ahead. I'm sorry, honey. If you think the key to greater willpower is get, is being harder on yourself, you're not alone. But you are wrong. Wrong. Study after study shows that self-criticism is consistently associated with less motivation and worse self-control. In contrast, self-compassion, being supportive and kind to yourself, especially in the face of stress and failure, is associated with more motivation and better self-control. And that is, so that's Kelly McGonigal's research, but that is completely connected to Kristen Neff's research with self-compassion. She found the exact same thing, that when you are in a stressful situation or when you have found that you are, quote-unquote, failing at something, that the first step is not criticism, Mm -hmm. but compassion toward yourself. Um. I have this book that we've talked about many times called The Untethered Soul, and chapter two is about your inner what, sweetie? Your inner roommate, so that neurotic roommate. Isn't this exactly what we're talking about? Yeah, you know what? It is um, because so, it's that part of ourselves that's really critical. Get this book um, and read the second chapter. I mean, read the whole book, but get the second because it talks all about that. Um, you know, and the bottom line is your inner roommate is your inner critic most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... We have to distance ourselves from that inner critic. Some people might call it the ego. And if you're able to do that, um, you can look at it objectively. And then you look like, well, what if this inner roommate wasn't inside my head, but instead of literally a person next to you, how would you, would you pay attention? Would you give that person that's outside of you all this energy and all this attention. And of course you wouldn't. I know. But we think because it's inside of our head, it deserves more attention. And then we it, need to like unpack it and it, figure it out. But it doesn't. No. You can just say, you're not serving me right now, inner roommate. And Because sometimes your inner roommate is good and telling you good things. Well, well, not the same place though. That's a different part. So you're, the inner roommate is not telling you good things. Really? I, I, not the one he's talking about. Okay. He's talking about the ego-based voice in the head. Right. I think the thing, yeah, that's the, true. the place right. that is telling you the good things is your true self. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have on my, um, my vision board in the office is, um, the truth is always kind. Yeah. You know, there like you go. you're getting, if you're getting some kind of truth and when I say it's always kind, it doesn't mean that it's always something you want to hear mm-hmm. but it's said in a kind way mm-hmm. the the whole like you suck you can't do this blah 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 there, there's no truth in that egl um 
one of the visuals I get with the inner roommate is like someone who wants us to sit on like a dirty brown couch with them and talk about how much we suck and how we can't do anything and like have a conversation with us about, did you notice all these things you did wrong? And it's almost like this, like, it's a shadowy part of us that just wants to focus in on only the negative. And and here's the, here's the thing. The things that our inner roommate is telling us, some of them he can point to and say, see how mean you were to that person? And maybe you were mean to that person. But once you are mean to someone, what is going to help the situation and propel you in the right way? Is it to sit with that inner roommate on the dirty couch do you, can you see the dirty brown couch in your head? Well, we at college we had a dirty brown couch. You get a lot of. Do you remember what it was called? Dirty brown stuff. Do you remember what it was called? In your room. In the peak, Pikes Peak. Oh, I, I, I never, lived in a fraternity house called Pikes Peak. I didn't go to Pikes Peak. We didn't know each other then. But I, you never went up there for any of our socials I think or anything. I probably stayed away from that. Well, we had a couch <laughs> up there called the Turd, <laughs> and it was Ew. the most comfortable, dirty, old brown couch ever. Do you know how many? things and stuff were on that couch no there's a lot there might have been hookups on that couch you think (laughs) um Um, so anyway but so go ahead you were going to say something i just want to read this amazing last chapter a last paragraph of this chapter (laughs) i'm going to read you a chapter i just love this i love michael singer if you want to free yourself you must first become conscious enough to understand your predicament that's like to be aware that the inner roommate exists then you must commit yourself to the inner work of freedom you do this as though your life depended on it, because it does. Ooh, I love that. As it is right now, your life is not your own. It belongs to your inner roommate, the psyche. You have to take it back. Stand firm in the seat of the witness and release the hold that the habitual mind has on you. This is your life. Reclaim it. Boom. Boom, baby. Shakalaka. What I love about that... Um, what's it, what's that boom goes the dynamite thing? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> While you're finding it, um, I will say that one of the biggest things I got from this book that has changed my life, not from the outside, but from the inside, is sometimes I feel like I have this negative voice and I used to always want to be like, I need to dig into that. I need to figure out where that's coming. And he, through this book, gave me permission to just let it go. I don't need to dig into it. Go ahead. Do you want to play it? Um, first, I want to do this. Let it go. Yes. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. And that is the process of meditation. When you are sitting on a meditative mat, or I have a lovely chair that I sit on, what you're doing is watching your thoughts and allowing them to go through. And, and again, believe me, I get very stuck in mm. thought. Meditation is not a perfect process. But it's the practice of letting thoughts go. The reason you practice that on a mat is not so you can tell everybody that you meditate, but so you can go out into your everyday life, have thoughts come in and allow them to go. You are strengthening a muscle that you can use in your everyday life. Meditation has got to be connected to how you relate to people in the world. Right. So so this is a cultural class lesson here. Okay, let's hear Boom it. Goes a Dynamite stems from some younger man or, or older kid. He looks like he's in his 20s. And he's a sportscaster. And on YouTube, it says the worst sports guy in the history of the world. And it's a three minute and 55 second clip, which we're obviously not, not going to play, play here. Right. But it's just awful. Maybe we'll play a little bit of it. Is it awful? Poor thing. He he's. Do you think his inner critic Hello, was... everyone. Well, the Ball State softball team continued to play this weekend. And... They were hoping to continue off of their straight three out of four losses. And so we'll take a look and see how that happened. 
They started off good, but then eventually but the Ball State women's, women's team shot down and ended up doing poorly. Oh, no. Oh, no. And the, okay. We're going to continue on now. And the Ladies Cardinals will play an Iowa tournament starting this Friday. Before the Ball State <laughs> baseball team kicks off its conference season this, we this weekend, the Cards will battle an in-state rival, Indy. So this goes on for three minutes and 54 seconds, but the reason it's called Boom Goes the Dynamite <laughs> is because the last 12 seconds they're showing a basketball uh, game, and he shoots it, and the player shoots it, and it goes in. So this is kind of the end. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Oh. <laughs> I'll include this on in the show notes. It's the best three minutes and 55 seconds of your life. But you know why I feel bad for him is I have been doing speaking engagements before where either I've lost my train of thought or like Todd, when we did the kids in the house videos, yeah. you, you lose your train of thought. You're like kind of all yeah, over oh, the he, place. Yeah, he, you start bad and it gets worse. And it gets worse. Yeah. You just start going down this bad trail. Like a few times when Todd and I were uh, – you know, we were being taped. We had we had to say stop, mm -hmm. and we got to start all over. So my point is, is here this kid is on camera. Yeah, and I think it might be a, a, a college broadcast. Okay, so I good. don't think these are professionals, but I they're they're wearing the suits and they're at like the studio. So you see like the people in the background. But oh my god, boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. Um, do, I feel like I want to answer some of these questions. Okay, go. Are you okay? Yeah. Oh yeah, fine. All right, so we asked our listeners if there's any questions, and our good friend Autumn, who's coming to the conference, Good. asked a question. She says, I'd love some advice on how the two of you handle situations when you think the other person is doing it wrong, whether it's with each other, your kids, your siblings, etc. As the big sister, I realize I can be an insufferable know-it-all at times, and as the partner with all the years of therapy and self-help under my belt, I often think I have a great idea or suggestion for my partner. That sounds familiar. We've talked about that we stuff. We have. My brilliant insights, a.k.a. unsolicited advice, so Autumn's got a lot of awareness here, are not always received with enthusiasm I'd hoped for. I can just see the husband. Like, like here we here go. Here we go again. I'm hoping on letting go, and I made a bracelet with the words necessary, useful, kind to give me some guideposts before I talk. Really good, That's right? That's wonderful, Autumn. How do the two of you navigate this? The more I learn, the more excited I get, the more I want to tell everyone how we do life better. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm becoming sort of obnoxious. I listen to your show on not pushing self-help on your partner. I don't know which one that is, but and that created a huge shift in me, and I have, to the best of my awareness, stopped doing that. A relationship has improved dramatically. I'm realizing this is an area where I still need support in the rest of my life. Thank you for any insight. Interesting. I have two thoughts on that. Number one, um, I Autumn, I've been just like you, and I still fall into that pattern a lot. So you're not alone, honey. Um, I think when we find something that works for us and something that makes us happy and something that makes our lives feel more full, we want to spread the word. Yep. Um, and we want to help other people. And oftentimes we can see other people's issues a lot clearer than our own. Right. So Tad and I have both been there. Yeah. I think that still oh. shows up. Yeah. When After I saw the I Am documentary, which I loved, right. everybody who came over, I'm like, you got to watch this. Yeah, like, I wouldn't down. even give them a choice. Sit down and you're down. watching right. this. So I've been there. At the same time, what I know for sure is a lot more effective is live it rather than preach it. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I, as a parent and as someone who is in this kind of line of work, is I find the most important thing for me to do is practice what I talk about. Mm -hmm. Not practice it and show it off and show every picture of me doing something yeah. or meditating, but just literally live it. Not, again, to to be 
it's so I can talk about it authentically Mm -hmm. because if I'm just talking about it, about it from a knowledge base, Mm -hmm. then I'm not, I really don't have what people need. Well, what's interesting about this is she's having an awareness, but you can also categorize this as maybe being self-critical. Like there's a fine line between having an awareness of something and being self-critical. Like I don't think she's beating herself herself up, but we've been talking about self-criticism here. Do you think that she's doing any of that? No, but I think what she's asking for is I need a a few more tools because I'm finding that I am talking more Mm. than maybe I'd like. Mm. And I actually have something right here. Let's hear it. So uh, this book that we have, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, How to Love, um, we were actually going to do a little podcast for our backers about this, but I'm just going to share it. Backers of Kickstarter, Backers of Kickstarter. Um, So- These are the six mantras of being in relationship. And I'm not going to read them all. They're practices for nourishing true love. But number six, I think, is relevant to what Autumn says. Number six, the practice of loving. It's called you are partly right. The sixth mantra is you are partly right. When someone congratulates you or criticizes you, you can use this mantra. I have weaknesses in me and I also have strengths. If you congratulate me, I shouldn't get lost and ignore that there are negative things in me. When we see the beautiful things in the other person, we tend to ignore the things that are not so beautiful. We are human, so we have both positive and negative in us. So when your beloved one congratulates you and tells you that you are the image of perfection, you say, you are partly right. (laughs) You know that I have the other things in me also. Mm -hmm. In this way, you can retain your humility. Humility is one of my favorite words. You are not a victim of illusion because you know that you're not perfect. And when another person criticizes you, you can say, you are partly right. Now, why I think that's in, you know, important to what Autumn said is her first sentence to us was, what do you do when you think other people are wrong? Yeah, Other people can be wrong through our lens, meaning that is not what we would do. Yeah. But what I always look for, this is the self-awareness thing, is why are they doing what they're doing and how did they get there? Yeah. And And maybe we can't dismantle all of it and figure it out. But one thing when Todd and I are either in disagreement with each other or when we're sharing with each other that we're being offended by someone or someone's driving us crazy. The practice that we have is the first is the, oh my gosh, they're driving me crazy. Yeah. The reaction. The reaction. The next practice is why are they doing this? And one thing that Todd and I do very well is let's just totally break this down. Well, let's pretend someone was mean to me. Okay. Oh my gosh, they were so mean to me and I have tears about it, whatever. Let's talk about why they are. How are they feeling? What's going on in their life? How do they see me? How do they perceive me? What do they do this to other people? Are they feeling, are they struggling in their own way? Why I'm saying all this is because then you see things more clearly and it's not a matter of right and wrong. It's a matter of where someone is in the present moment. It's not easy, yeah. but it's a heck of a lot easier than carrying around this idea that we're right and other people are wrong. Right. That's how we get into trouble. Right. I think that if we can look at that big picture, mm-hmm. then it makes it easier when we're sitting across from someone we love and they're giving us a perspective that we don't agree with to say, you're, you're partly right, but here's how I see right. things. The reason they're partly right, even if you completely disagree, is th- where they are in the moment in their lives, it feels right to them. Yep. So they yeah, have they're not to, purposely trying to harm you. No. They are doing what where they are in that moment. And that sense of humility of that we don't have we don't have all the information. We don't know everything. We just know our lives. That sense of humility creates a vulnerability that allows the other person to continue to listen. 
You ready for question number two? Yes, sorry. Kimberly I... Mathis, a dear friend of mine struggles with his, this is an interesting question, mm-hmm. by the way, struggles with his 18-year-old daughter who believes that her father was not as involved in her childhood as he should have been, mm-hmm. not supportive enough, not interested in her interest, etc. He feels he was a good parent, so it's very hurtful to hear this from his daughter, and it is a constant source of strain in their relationship. What do you do when a child believes you were selfish and didn't put their needs first? And you don't see things the same way. I worry about this from my own children. So I'm interested to hear what advice you might offer. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Todd and I, have we have some people Um, in our lives that have this discussion a lot. Well, uh, my take on this is regardless of whether or not he was the best dad in the world or the worst dad in the world, his daughter feels that she, uh, he did not meet her expectations. Exactly. Okay. So if I am this dad, I would say, you know what, honey, I did my best, but apparently that wasn't what you were, apparently whatever that looked like was not what you were looking for. And I'm really, really sorry that I did not uh, fulfill all those expectations you have of me, but there's nothing I can do to go back in time. What I can do is from this moment do the absolute best I can to love you in every way that's possible. And I'm sorry that you don't feel like it was what you're hoping for. And now if you say that and this 18-year-old daughter continues to throw stones at you verbally or whatever, then that's her stuff. Mm -hmm. But you need to say that first. And then after you say it, and maybe you have to say it once or twice more, I don't know, to kind of just confirm what you were saying. But after that... What can I do? I can't go back. Right. I did the best I could. And maybe it wasn't what you were hoping for, but I'm sorry, but but I'll do everything I can in this moment and every moment here on to, to be the dad that you want. And maybe it's a discussion on not what were your expectations when you were six years old or 12 years old, but what are your expectations of me right now? Right. Because we can't change what happened. Or how we can communicate. I think that a lot of times we think that offering an apology is some is somehow saying you're all right and I'm all wrong, going back to the wrong and right thing. Right. And offering an apology is just acknowledging that, that, that his daughter feels that she didn't get what she needed. And as we, we've said on this show a lot lately, Instead of trying to beat around the bush and try and solve it in these like exterior ways, go to the core of it. I would even ask the question, and, and don't st- you know, because like your sentence you started with, I tried to do the best I could, but right. don't even do that sentence. Yeah. I want to go. You are so upset with me, and and my relationship with you is so important. Tell me about what I didn't do. Allow mm. her to say it out loud. Mm, you good. know, you weren't there for this. You weren't there for this. You're right. I wasn't, and I didn't know how important that yeah. was to you. If I could go back, I would have done that differently, but yeah. I didn't, and I'm sorry. Let her what's get it built, out. Get it out. What's built up in her is a bunch of unacknowledged pain, Yeah, and she doesn't want to hear his version of it. Mm-hmm. She wants to share her version of it. Once it's all out and he has s- created space to hear it, mm-hmm. it's free, Yeah, meaning it's no longer this pent up yeah. And then he can say, okay, just like you said, because what I love, I, I loved everything you said, but the best part was- but you don't start with what I said. You start with what you said, and then you roll into what I said. And then you roll into the, okay, so now we've got that, and I can't change that, but I can acknowledge that I see your perspective on this. Right. Now, 
how are we going to communicate now that you're 18 and you're an adult and, you know, we're going to have a different kind of relationship. Let's talk about and communicate how we can make that the best it can be. Let's do this together. The only reason I wouldn't say to her, you tell me what I need to do now, is then it's out of balance again. Right. He has to be half of it, meaning yeah. he can't give himself away. Mm-hmm. Part of it being in a relationship is maintaining your whole self. Yeah, the dad can't say, oh, you're right, I suck. And now I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. Yeah. can't be like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not good. But again, that doesn't need to be said to her, mm-hmm. but it needs to be said, let's come together, let's communicate. How, how can we connect to each other now? Yeah. So- the way the visual I get with people's pain, and I'll speak for myself, it's not other it's not just my professional life, it's me personally. When I'm feeling full and angry and I'm saying things like what she's saying, it's because I haven't been able to speak what I feel. Mm-hmm. Nobody has created a space for me to everyone has been telling me, Oh, you shouldn't worry about that, you shouldn't be upset about that, and no one is acknowledging my pain. Once I say it and someone can sit in it and not try and push it away. Right and allow me to speak it, it's gone. Yeah. So go to the core of it. Yeah. So the mom who wrote this, who, who wrote this? Kimberly. So, oh, Kimberly. It, you can obviously give your friend that advice, but for yourself, everything, every relationship you have from this point forward, go to the core of the issue. Don't try and beat around the bush and tell them everything you did and be defensive and show them how you're right and they're wrong. Allow them- Open the door. Open the door, Yeah. Um, we have to talk about Kickstarter and then we got to go. Okay. We didn't, we ran out of time for Diane's question. I saw it. Sorry, Diane. <clears throat> Can I give Diane one thing? Sure. Diane, do you have, um. The question was, uh, do you have any fun ideas, uh, or special things you do with kids during the summer break? Oh, that was the question. Yeah. Um, we have uh, a lot of downtime. <laughs> yeah. Let them be bored. <laughs> Fight through the, when they get mad at you for saying I have nothing to do and let them. You you know what we do, Diane, is we'll have one thing in the day that everything kind of anchors around, like we're all going to lunch today, or tonight we're going to see Todd's sister, or um, this afternoon we're going to Great America, or whatever, but then the rest of the day is open. So it gives us an anchor of, um, not anchor, what's the word I'm looking for, a focus Mm -hmm. point, Mm -hmm. so we all know when we're going to be together, because if you have a completely open day, then it can be like chaos. So. You know, and the girls have little camps, and they're doing band and running club and all these things. Don't um, overbook them. Don't fill up all their yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, that's our thing. I mean, if that doesn't work for you, then book all. The, you know, fill them up. But that's not that doesn't work for us. And you know, maybe just do it way ahead of time. Look at next week and say, this day we're going to go to lunch. This and and so then you have that, and then the rest of the time you don't worry. Sweetie, let's talk about our last partner, okay. Jeremy Craft, Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Avidco.nuts avidcoat.net 630-956-1800 and then last but not least i think when this podcast is available um our kickstarter will have one day left one more day Day for for johnny one more day and And then then it will be over one more day so if you're listening to this the day that it's released then and you want to help then please help but what if they can't? And you know what? I'm I'm being a wordsmith here. Okay. But instead of help, if you want to get your tickets, yeah. Because yes, it does help us. It, Todd's not wrong, but really, we're trying to give you the opportunity. Help me help you. Help me help you get your ticket. If you want to be a sponsor or a vendor, do it. The reason I'm saying do it now. Obviously, we already made our Kickstarter goal, so we don't need you to do that. But you get more 
earlier. Publicity. (laughs) We're going to start talking about you nine months before the event. Don't wait until January because then you're not getting. And we're going to be inundated at that time anyway. And we may be full. See, we only have a certain amount of space. Space. So there's there's all sorts of things. And let me tell you, these people who have jumped on as as sponsors Mm -hmm. and as vendors, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh inspiring people doing amazing things and a few of them that we know that are going to jump on who haven't yet um but you know it's just they're doing it today or tomorrow they're just amazing people i feel very honored to be surrounded by people like this so if you're listening to this after the kickstarter campaign has expired you can go to our website zenparentingradio.com there will be something obvious we don't know if it'll be under events or maybe just on the home page where you can still register and do all that good yeah stuff. we're in the process of creating the website for the conference now and you know you can still get tickets and that kind of thing but um man do it now it's yeah. a lot easier now do it do it do it now kickstarter um all right so i think oops i think we're over here now all right Words of wisdom? Humility, baby. Practice humility and self-compassion. Anything else? And love. Anything else? <laughs> you go ahead. Suns out, guns out. You haven't been suns outing, guns outing. You don't wear those kind of shirts. I got to get some for my nephew, Max, <laughs> who's Mr. Suns Out, Guns Out. He lifts every day, you know. Yeah, he's Mr. Lifter he's guy. He's going to be bigger than you. He already is bigger than yeah, you. Yeah, he is. I can still take him, though. <laughs> I can. You I think? know it. Oh, I know it. Really? See you, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye.